is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The migrant crisis is getting worse. It's taking a toll on the asylum seekers, the city, and volunteers alike. But things could start to improve after the city of Chicago receives over $10 million in federal funding to put towards its migrant response. Volunteers are also calling on the city to work more directly with them to ensure the safety and security of migrants living in city-run shelters. We'll turn now to a volunteer who's working with migrants at police stations where some of them are staying. We've got Marco Galvan on the line. Hey, Marco. Hi, Sasha. Good morning. Good morning, Marco. Marco's a volunteer at the 9th District Police Station in Bridgeport. So tell us what's going through your head, Marco, You know, knowing that 10.5 million federal dollars will be going towards the city's response to the migrant crisis. Hey, uh, so we're, we're happy to hear that this money is being allocated. Uh, we see that this is uh, a step in the right direction, uh, but we definitely want to be cautious and understand that in order for uh, this money and the rest of the money that was allocated by the um, other, pers- other people, the council, uh, is, is used correctly, right? We need to have some planning, some structure, some, structure, some oversight, and some transparency in order to make sure that this this funding is used correctly and that it doesn't just go to waste, uh, which is, you know, what we see typically in the city, right? We don't want to be talking a year from now that $61.5 million uh, vanished and no one really knows where it went to, and then everyone starts pointing fingers. So mm-hmm. we're, we're happy to see that this money is coming through. Uh, we just want to make sure that it's used correctly and that it's allocated to help these folks and all the folks that are on house in the city. Uh, uh, that's what we want to see. Yeah. You know, with the additional $51 million uh, approved by the city council late last month uh, that, you know, was supposed to run till the, uh, till the end of this month, how do you think that will affect housing, care, food, transportation? Is there any sense of how bad things are for those services given by the city? Well, right. There's a lot of help needed, and, and we believe that, you know, these $51 million and, and these additional $10.5 million are, are a step in the right direction, but it's definitely like a small drop in the bucket, right? There's a lot of funding that's required, and there's a lot more funding that's going to be required to establish a, a decent network uh, to support these folks uh, in regards to transportation, food, uh, and, and housing, right? It, when you start looking at the magnitude of the help needed, not just for these migrants, but also like the unhoused folks that are in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a very small portion of the amount that's required. And that's why we need some planning to understand where this money is going to go and how this is just a first step in, in, in the network that's required to support all these folks. About two weeks ago on this program, we had a woman named Erica Viegas on and she's also a volunteer, and she was working at police stations, sort of giving us an update of how things were at the time. Have there been improvements or changes? Uh, well, so the, what the improvement is that the city uh, and uh, the mayor's uh, new administration is uh, – taking some steps forward to communicate with us and and try to work together. We had a meeting uh, with them on Monday uh, to discuss how we could collaborate and how we could support them in in taking over uh, the management of this crisis. But that's as far as it's gone. Mm -hmm. In regards of the situation that my friend Erica described to you uh, that was happening in the police stations, that's still happening, right? There's still families, there's still children sleeping on the floors of police stations. Mm -hmm. Like, there's very small movement that's been happening. I know in this Probably you know some of these folks were moved to Daily College. They were yeah. bused to Daily College, but that was just a small portion of them. And just last uh, night, a yeah. mother—I'm hearing a mother, father, and one-month-old showed up to the Ninth District Police Station. 
That's correct, so and this is very this is very common, right? You're going to see some folks out there with little babies, and and as I had mentioned uh, earlier, uh, you know, this is heartbreaking, right? Uh, I I think of myself, and uh, you know, when I was with my wife, and we had a one month old at home, it was a sweet time to be home and be happy with our baby, and these folks are still uh, are going to be sleeping in a police station with their baby, so it's very tragic. Yeah. Uh, but this is still happening, and these folks are still showing up. There's been a call from the police station response team to urge the city to work more directly with them. Now, this is a a group of volunteers that's working with migrants staying at the stations, very similar to what you're doing, Marco. Any thoughts on that? Like, how, how much does the city actually work with volunteers anyway? Well, so the, right, the, the the letter that was sent was from the police station response team, which I'm part of. This is the grassroots network that was developed, uh, and uh, right now this, there's very little um, collaboration between the city and uh, our group in an official manner. Right? There's a lot of folks in our volunteer group that work with work for the city that understand the ins and outs on how to get stuff going, but as of now, there hasn't been one representative that's been appointed to work together with our group and start collaborating, right? Mm -hmm. Our goal is for us to kind of pass the baton for the city to start managing this with our support, and it hasn't happened just yet. A little here on the city's perspective. At a a closed meeting between city officials and the police station response team, Mayor Brandon Johnson's deputy chief of staff, who's Christina Pasione Zayas, she said it's difficult to move quickly from contractually-based staffers to community-based teams. And she went on to say, you know, cooperation with volunteers might be easier on a state level than it is on on a city level. And this is, of course, according to a a Zoom transcript that we took a look at. This was sent to the Chicago Tribune by a volunteer who was present uh, at the meeting. Uh, Volunteers aren't aren't allowed to enter city-run shelters. Is that right? That's correct. And I believe that my understanding from that it has to do with HIPAA rules and letting folks into shelters and protecting the privacy of the folks that are staying in the shelters. Three weeks ago, a migrant who was staying at a temporary shelter in Woodlawn told the Tribune that they're all forced to sleep, quote, lined up almost like dead bodies, unquote. What does the city need to do? To, to be more transparent about these shelters? Yeah, so the understanding here is that, you know, we don't all want to be showing up at these shelters trying to, like, you know, in, investigate or figure out some, like, conditions that we don't find, you know, uh, acceptable. We expect the city to have some sort of oversight over these shelters and have folks that are, you know, qualified to come and inspect these shelters and provide transparency on the conditions inside. Mm-hmm. In regards to these folks that were asked to sleep, uh, like dead bodies aligned, you know, I'm I'm not sure, you know, I, I understand that there's a lot of folks that have some very serious, like ugly stories about these shelters. And there's specific guidelines for these shelters. There's specific guidelines that were developed by the federal government for FEMA, for uh, refugees, uh, and, and that should be followed. It's not like they need to write, like, the guidelines from scratch. It's stuff that they could follow from the federal government in regards of providing these folks uh, a, a safe, warm place to stay that provides them with dignity and, and all the required, uh, you know, support that they need for a, a shelter like this. Are you in need of more volunteers? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're always happy to get more folks to jump in. You know, what's happening right now is that 
a lot of folks are suffering from burnout, right? A lot of the folks that have been involved in this stuff for like the past two, three months or even a year uh, have needed to take a step back just to kind of recharge or even just take, take you know, some time to take care of their mental health. So uh, although there are some leaders who are still kind of covering, there's still kind of like a turnaround of folks that are jumping in and jumping out mm-hmm. just for the sake of getting some sort of respite from all this. How can folks get more involved? Oh, uh, I, Geez, uh, is there? That's a really good question. Uh, there's the way we have been working is more like a network of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would have to follow up with you, and I'm so sorry. I should have an answer for this, but th- there's uh, okay. there's not. We don't have social media. It's all just like a grassroots network that yeah. we have. So I'm I'm so sorry. I feel very disappointed oh, that, that I don't have a oh, like that's, answer for that's you. That's totally fine. We 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 know yeah. where you are. If if folks are interested, they they'll just have to come out and find you, right? Uh, Thank you, yes. Yeah, and that's uh, Margot Galvan, a volunteer that's helping right. migrants at the 9th District Police Station in Bridgeport. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sasha.